and um, glad to see you all this evening. And uh, landed this morning after uh, I think about a 26-hour flight. And so if I say funny things this evening, it might be because I'm crash landing tonight. All right. So, but I appreciate everyone's um, prayers over the the course of uh, the weekend. And as many of you probably saw on Sunday, uh, sent some photos through of. Um, of the wedding, and uh, I noticed when I looked at the Facebook live feed that you were expecting more photos. I apologize, I only sent two, all right, but um, that was pretty much all I took um, up until the reception time, and by that time you had started the service, but uh, it was a great, great, um, great day. Appreciate everyone that prayed. I know there was, uh, that day was scheduled to rain a little bit, and so I know many of you prayed for the, the weather and, and just the, the day to go forward. And so as a result of that, the weather was fine, and it was a, a great ceremony, and good to have the Agateps here as they transit. This is a bit of a layover as they head back to their mission field in the Philippines, but I'm sure they're uh, proud parents uh, of the bride, and uh, just an opportunity as well over the weekend that I got to uh, minister to the church there at Glen Iris, Brother Allen's um, home church, and where Rebecca and, and he will be attending and uh, just uh, felt uh, a real connection and kindred spirits with them as far as the, uh, just the work of the ministry. And I'm excited for Rebecca Sad as well. I was sharing this to the church um, over there on the Sunday night when I preached. Just, um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever really uh, felt that emotional uh, during a wedding. But I really felt uh, a great emotion just considering the fact that you know, Rebecca grew up in our church, but also served in so many capacities in the church, and just was a faithful young lady. Uh, but then also just seeing God work out her future was an amazing thing, and just to see that actually happening. And so I, I had the great joy of just being there, and, and I know that many of you wished you could be there and just couldn't, but thank you for the prayers for, for the couple, and, and just continue to pray for them for their future, and I believe God has some great things for them as they head into uh, the rest of their lives. All right, we're going to go to Philemon this evening. And uh, going through the Bible book tour, going through the, just the quick surveys of uh, each book of the Bible. And we're pretty much on the home stretch, aren't we? And uh, we're going to look at this small book of the, of the New Testament, the book of Philemon. And um, anyone surprised that, that this is the first time they've heard of the book Philemon? Some, some of you, you're like, where is that? Okay, we're in the New Testament. And so we're going to head towards just past the pastoral epistles, First uh, and Second Timothy, Titus, and then Philemon. And then we're going to head into Hebrews, Lord willing, next week. But um, I'm going to turn there and let's just read the first few verses of this um, small letter, but a great letter with some great themes. And so here we go. Paul, a, po a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, and fellow laborer. And to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. 
For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. So Paul is writing this to, uh, to Philemon, who here he's speaking about just the faithfulness that he has and the kind of, uh, kind of, uh, kind of person that, that Philemon was, a kind of Christian he, who was one who refreshed others. And now let's continue reading. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is writing this again from a, uh, from a vantage point of being in prison. Now he, he's uh, later on, much later on in his life, and, and uh, writing perhaps around the, uh, the, the same time as uh, 2 Timothy as he looks towards the, the end of his life. He's reflecting and he's saying, just like in 2 Timothy, um, I, I, I've finished my course. He's looking towards the finish line of his life and he's saying, Paul the aged. All right, and um, then he looked, look at the subject matter of his letter, I beseech thee. It says, for my son Onesimus. And remember, there were several times and we've already looked at Timothy. We've looked at Titus and, and all of those books he refers to these uh, these two men who were pastors whom he had discipled, whom he had grown as his sons in the faith. But notice this fellow now, his name is Onesimus. And he says, whom I have begotten in my bonds. He's his son too. So he's also a son in the faith. But there's something about Onesimus, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him that is mine own bowels, whom I have, would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity but willingly. So he's saying there was something, I know something had happened in the past where he was unprofitable to you. So he did something wrong. But I'm saying now he's profitable. Uh, but notice here in verse 15, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant. So he's saying he was your servant. He was your slave. He was someone that was under you, but now I want you to treat him not just as a servant, but as a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the, in the flesh and in the Lord. So what had transpired was uh, during, during the course of uh, Paul's imprisonment, he then meets this fellow named Onesimus, who he leads to the Lord, and has now helped to grow a little bit. And he's saying, he's, he's telling Onesimus, go back to your master Philemon. And I want you to go, and he's writing now to, he, to Philemon. And he's saying, I want you to treat him not just as a servant, but as your brother. Because he indeed is. He's now saved. He, he, he's, he's had a change of course. And so that's the occasion of the writing there. And, and so... We consider this small book and just a lot of great themes that we'll get to, but Philemon, to whom this letter was written, was a member, was a member of the church at Colossae. So in fact, services were held in his home. We just read that. He was then, because of that, must have been a man of considerable means. He was a possessor of, uh, of servants. And again, in the context of that, that time that they lived in, over one-third of the Roman Empire were servants. But he was a, he was a benevolent believer, and uh, the, the name Philemon means affectionate. There was something about him that, that, that was his, 
his case. That was his, uh, his stature. Uh, it is implied here that he was a convert of Paul's also, and, and hence the, the, the boldness of which Paul was able to write to him. And, and Aphia was probably his wife. We, we saw her. Uh, we saw her mentioned there. Then Archippus was his son. And uh, the, the words that were used to describe this family probably denotes that they're a godly home. They were fellow laborers. They were beloved. They were fellow soldiers. They were obedient. They were, uh, they were uh, someone that he was thankful for in his prayers. But uh, remember, Paul had never been to Colossae. And so you wonder, how did, how did he even meet? And so he must have met Philemon elsewhere, okay, po- possibly in Ephesus, which wasn't too far from Colossae. All right, um, but then a, a servant of Philemon, Onesimus, he had uh, run away to Rome and was converted then by Paul, who then sends him back to Philemon, accompanied here by Tychicus. And so Paul asks the master to receive the servant kindly and to treat him in the future not as a servant but as a brother in Christ. And so that's, the, that's, the, that's really the, the context of which we read this, um, this small uh, book of the Bible. If we were to summarize all of that's contained in this book, and it, it would be easy, but in one sentence we would say, everyone who has repented of sin and come to Christ should be welcomed as a brother or sister, treated gently and forgiven by other believers. And so we see that uh, there's going to be some major themes around that. And so just some key facts about the book. It's your, the 57th book in your Bible. The author is Paul. It's got one chapter. All right, 25 verses and 445 words. And so and a, a quick read. Um, key words, the word love is mentioned three times. Love is the basis of our forgiveness and covers transgression. And so it's, it's in that appeal that, that, uh, that Paul gives. And the key verse is one we read, Philemon's uh, verse 16, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And, and so that's the key verse there as we think about this, uh, this book. Uh, uh, a couple of interesting facts. It was a very personal epistle. Okay, this, in this book, it reveals Paul's concern for individuals as, w- as well as groups. You know, sometimes we think about the, the major letters that, that the Apostle Paul wrote, and they were written to churches as a group. But we see here in these, uh, these several epistles that, again, he's, he's concerned for individuals as well as groups. He was concerned with the one, uh, one as much as he was concerned with the all. Okay, his interest also, we see his interest in the spiritual condition of servants as well as masters. And he wasn't a respecter of persons. This, this man whom God called to be the, uh, the apostle to the Gentiles was not a respecter of person. He, he just wanted to win everyone with the gospel. We see him, we see him uh, in the great halls of, of Roman politics speaking to those in high authority as much as he is vouching for those who, who in, in their terms was considered the lowliest of society, servants. And so we see there that the Apostle Paul we, in, this, in this epistle reveals that but then also, uh, interestingly, his determination to follow up, uh, follow up a convert after winning him to the Lord. And, uh, you know, one of the hardest things that a person can do and, and one of the most uh, needful things that a person c- 
can do is, is to follow up on someone that they've led to Christ. And really, this is a great example. We could really treat this as a great manual on how to follow up on someone, how to follow up on someone's welfare as a new convert, as a new believer, as someone that we uh, uh, have in, invested the gospel in. And so we see these, uh, all of this in, in the book of Philemon. Now, the purpose and theme of the book, uh, the purpose of the book was, again, to exhort Philemon how he ought to show forgiveness and brotherhood to his returning servant Onesimus. That's the, that's the purpose of the book. Uh, some major themes in the book, one would be forgiveness, because that is the appeal, forgive him. The appeal was, look, he's returning and he's done you wrong in the past, but the past is the past, he's coming back as a new person, so forgive him. And then also, there's a, there's a great theme of brotherhood. He's appealing, uh, he's appealing as a family, a family member, as someone who has a connection with, with Philemon and now a connection with Onesimus. He's saying, you know, as a brother in the Lord. And so there's this appeal of brotherhood there, a great theme of brotherhood. And then a picture of salvation's effect, of how salvation restores. What a great theme. And so all of these themes are covered in the, the book of Philemon. And, and again, someone who had done greatly wrong, now going back in, in, uh, as a new creature in Christ, now as a brother, formerly a servant, and now coming back with a, this idea of being restored, being, being taken back now, being fully restored. And so just a, a great theme in the book. Um, a quick outline of the book, we could see, we could call this the original emancipation proclamation. All right, and we see Paul's greeting to Philemon in verses 1 to 3. Then we see Paul praises Philemon in verses 4 to 8. Then we see Paul pleading for Onesimus in verses 9 to 17. And then we see Paul pledges to pay in verses 18 to 22. And then we see the closing remarks in verses 23 to 25. So th those are the, the, just the, the different uh, breakdowns of the book. A type of Christ, we can see a major one, the payer of our sin debt. If we kept reading, which we didn't um, tonight, you can see that Paul appeals to, to Philemon with this thought, look, whatever he has wronged or Whatever debt he has, I will pay. I will pay. And so there's a great picture of our Savior who is the great payer of our sin debt. Right tonight, church? We didn't have to pay it. Jesus paid it all. And so the, the type of Christ we see here is the, just the, um, the payer of our sin debt, but also our great consolation. He's, um, the appeal that Paul made was for consolation's sake. But, you know, the, our Lord Jesus Christ is the, our great consolation. And, and so we see that also there. But really the, the, the type of Christ is the payer of our sin debt. And, and so let's consider some thoughts here as we, uh, as we boil it all down and, and make some application tonight. And so um, we read these verses already, but let's read them again. Not now as a servant, verse 16, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord? 
And notice the appeal here. If thou count me, therefore, a partner, receive him as myself. If he, had wrong, if he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. Notice what, what Paul says there. He says, put it on my account. And this, this is just such a great picture there um, for us this evening. There's so much that we can, we can uh, unpack. But I just want to talk about forgiveness and brotherhood. Because really that was the basis, that was the basis of Paul's appeal to Philemon. He, he's saying he's part of the family now. He's not just any, any guy. He's not just someone that you knew from the past. No, I'm sending him back as a brother. And by the way, I'm your brother too. And by the way, there's been some things that I've shown you uh, through my investment in you that I'm now saying, you know, put it on my account. And there's a great picture there. And so I'm, I, wanna, I wanted to illustrate this because um, there's a couple of key, uh, key characters there. So I, I need three volunteers. Let's, uh, let's, get, the, let's get Jedi, Reens, and uh, Johan to come up here. And... Johnny's like, I'm so glad there's three. All right. So who, who, should, we, um, who should we have as the Apostle Paul? Any votes? Oh, Reens. Reens can be Paul, all right? They're, they're saying he's the most spiritual one. I don't know. Let's pray about that. All right. Um, okay, you can be... Everyone's voting Onesimus, all right? You're Onesimus and you're Philemon. Okay. So let's, let's get a, a bit of the, the timeline here. So at some point, uh, Paul wins Philemon to the Lord. Okay, so who's Philemon? Put your hand up. All right, Philemon and Paul. So at some point, these two meet. Okay, meet. Shake hands. All right, they meet. Paul wins Philemon to the Lord. Right? So Philemon goes home, and he has a servant named Onesimus. All right, good, you're catching on. And, and so, so there they are, but at the same time, Paul is traveling, and he becomes a prisoner. All right, so let's handcuff him. He's a prisoner now, all right? And so at some point during this time, uh, Paul travels to Rome. He's now a prisoner. And Philemon does something, uh, sorry, uh, Onesimus steals or does something wrong towards Philemon. So, so they have, a, they have a, a, some stern words. There's an accusation. There's something that he has done. And so he runs away. And guess where he runs away? To Rome. And whether that's... Uh, on purpose, we don't know whether he heard that Paul was in Rome or because that was the place where he thought he would, be, uh, he would be, become just one of the number. We don't know whether it was coincidence or it was on purpose. The, the Bible doesn't make that clear, but the reality is this, all things work together for good, right? So regardless of whether it was on purpose or by accident or coincidence, we see that we end up with Paul and Onesimus in the same vicinity. 
And so you know what Paul's, Paul's pattern is? Whoever he meets, he's trying to win to the Lord. So he meets, somehow he meets Onesimus. They meet. And he wins him to the Lord. And he starts to ask him, so what's your background? So where did you come from? And he said, you know, I was a, I was a servant. Uh, I just came from Colossae, and I'm run, I've run away from my master. I don't know why I went to Rome, but I went to Rome. And here I am. I guess God's purpose was for me to get saved. And so he gets saved, and he realizes, Paul realizes, wait a minute. I know your master. In fact, I think I led him to the Lord too. Uh, I, I remember meeting him uh, along the way, and I know where he lives. I know who, you, who your master is. And as they work together, and as he disciples and, and just tries to grow um, Onesimus, he realizes there's some wrongs and some things that he needed to go back and, and be forgiven and just to make right. And so he sends him back to Rome. Oh, sorry, go back to Colossae, all right? So he goes back to Colossae, and he, he brings along, maybe we should have had a fourth guy. Hey, Tychicus, come here with your camera. <laughs> there he was enjoying, videoing. He was going to use it as uh, blackmail for later, and now he's part of the story. Oh, hey, Tychicus, how are you? We should change your name. Um, so here he is, Tychicus, not arresting, all right, just... Just, just their friends, all right? Now he's coming back, and he brings him back to Colossae with Philemon. And now with this written letter by the Apostle Paul, with, with Apostle Paul vouching for Onesimus, saying everything he has owed, put it on my account. Oh, you get the timeline? You get the story? All right, you guys can be seated. You did a great job. And, and so we see there uh, just what has transpired is, is a pretty amazing story. It's pretty amazing that, that somehow Onesimus during this time of running away and feeling like perhaps displaced and feeling as if he had no real future now or at least a future in question, God works that out and he gets saved and then everything changes for him. He becomes useful to Paul. He becomes one that was being trained under Paul. In fact, Paul goes a long way to say he's a son to me. And then he sends him back. And there's some great pictures here that we can draw. We can firstly draw a spiritual uh, picture there. We can see uh, just uh, in the story just a, a great uh, picture of salvation. We see one who had done wrong being cast out. And then along the way, Jesus comes into the picture, and then he gets restored back to the master. And, and, and Philemon somewhat is a, a picture of one who is wronged or God. He's been wronged, and so the sinner is cast away, but then made atonement. Paul is like Christ and makes atonement for that one and wins him, and then he sends him back to be useful to the master. So there's a great picture there of, of salvation, but I think we want to just take the, the practical application here and just speak about forgiveness and brotherhood because that's where we're at. You know, because there's many times where, uh, whether it's in the past or maybe in the, in, the, in the future, 
we're, we're going to wrong and we're going to need to be forgiven and we need to uh, have this concept of forgiveness and brotherhood. Uh, just, just have a, a good concept of that from the Bible. And, and, and so what we see here is the power of Christian relationship really as a spur of forgiveness and restoration. It's really an interesting story. Philemon, who's a Christian, had been personally wronged by Onesimus, who was at that time a lost person, a lost man. He was his servant, but he was lost. But then after Onesimus gets saved and shows evidence of it, Paul calls on Philemon to completely forgive him. Did everyone get that in the story? It's a complete forgiveness. It had no conditions. It was a complete one. And so after evidence that, that this, was a, a, this was now a, 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 someone who's profitable, someone who, who in Paul, even in his bond, said he would have been profitable for me if he had just stayed, but, but they felt like it was right for him to return to his uh, master Philemon. And, and there's, a, there's just a great, uh, there's a great thought there about complete forgiveness. You know why? Because of brotherhood. Not because of other extenuating circumstances. You know what overrode that? What overrode that was their, their kinship and their brotherhood in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the basis of our forgiveness. It's not because they, they've jumped through all of the hoops that you've required. It's not because they've met all of your conditions. No, the appeal was complete forgiveness in Christ. And it's an outflow then of of that relationship that, that is the motivation. And if you and I are holding anything against another brother in Christ, then really there's a, there's a complication or there's something not right between us and God. If we're holding on to that, that's what the, the, the Bible teaches us here. And, and again, we can see this uh, taught in Matthew chapter 18, the only other scripture we'll turn to tonight, Matthew chapter 18. And notice here with me, uh, this parable, remember here in verse 21, Peter comes to the Lord and says, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. And so Jesus responds and says, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And, And he goes and he talks about this parable where the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to, the, to be sold and his wife and the children and all that he had and payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And so this, this servant was appealing on, on the basis of the mercy that the Lord would show and then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him that debt. But then that same servant had someone else that owed him. And you know the rest of the story. He's unwilling to forgive. And he's saying, you know, the later on we see, so when his fellow servants saw what was done, verse 31, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord and all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And, and the Lord took it seriously and took offense 
that even though this one was forgiven, he wouldn't forgive the other. He didn't apply, he didn't, he didn't, there was a, there was a, an assumption there by the Lord that, that forgiveness was forthright. It wasn't conditional. And as much as this, this one uh, was forgiven much debt, this smaller debt that was owed should have been forgiven too. Completely. And, um, and we see here some principles that we learn from Philemon regarding this. We, we need to firstly, the, there's a great importance of setting wrong things right. And Onesimus and Paul, they sought to straighten out the wrong that Onesimus had done prior to salvation. They sent him back to, uh, to Philemon. They found it important enough that this brother who was wronged, there, was, there needed to be restoration with him. It wasn't just, well, it was in the past. You're here now with me, um, Onesimus, so let's just forget about it. No, he's saying, no, you need to, you need to make restitution and get it right. You can't just leave it, you just can't ignore it. You need to get it right. You need to forgive. That, that is the right thing to do. You need to right the wrongs. And, and, and he's saying there, go back. And, and, I have, and later on he says, having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. So he's saying here, he's saying there, you know, I've, I've, I've sent Onesimus in good faith that you also will forgive. He's banking on the, the spirituality of Philemon to also forgive the wrong when now Onesimus is coming back to make restitution, to make right. And so it, there's a great importance of setting wrong things right. But then there's a validity also of personal debt and loyalty. You know, the, the interesting thing about the book of Philemon for me is this. Paul didn't call on Philemon to issue forgiveness for Jesus' sake. We see that implied through the, the, the course of it as brotherhood. But he went beyond that. He called on Philemon to issue, issue forgiveness for his own sake. He appealed on his personal relationship with Philemon. Did you notice that? He, he didn't just go, well, you know, you ought to forgive him. Um, and and we, we can quote the scriptures in Ephesians 4.32. Even as for Christ's sake, he hath forgiven you. We understand that from that brotherhood point of view, we're all in the family of Christ. But he's making that appeal on a personal basis. He's saying, do it for me. Do it for the fact that I, I invested in you. Do it for the fact that I, uh, I went about and I gave you the gospel. Do it for the fact that along the way, God uh, placed us into each other's lives. And now I'm making this appeal on the behalf of the other brother. And, and here's what I'm saying. We ought to be greatly concerned about each other's relationship with each other. Church, listen, it ought to bother us. It ought to bother us when one brother has ought with another brother. This, this, is one, this wasn't about choosing sides. This was about forgiveness because it's right in the family. Because that's, what, that's what's needed in the family. That's the appeal that Paul, and he's saying, do it for me. I'm your brother in Christ. 
I've, I've invested in you and I've shown you kindness and I've shown you generosity and I've shown you grace over these years. Now on my stead, forgive this one and put it on my account. That's, that's, that's Christian loyalty and character. I vouch for him. And we understand there the, the, just the great cost that Paul was willing to undertake. He was putting his own reputation on the line. You know why? Because this was bigger than Paul. This was for the brotherhood. This was for the family. This, this wasn't just, a, this wasn't just a, something that, that Paul was just, you know, hoping it would just go, come to pass. No, he put himself at harm's way to ensure that there was restitution. Paul didn't have an attitude, I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. No, he wanted to deal with it. And you know, many times, many times we forget that when there's, a, there's, when there's ought against each other, that that affects the whole body. That actually it ought to affect the whole body. It ought to greatly concern us when, when this brother is saying something about this other brother. That there's wrong there and it hasn't been, it hasn't been made right. And there ought to be a great concern. And, and Paul used his personal relationship and he put it on the line and, and there's there's a validity there God, God's highlighting it for us and uh, you know if we serve we love and we minister to people and they are benefited we have we have the the privilege to ask them to extend that to others That, that ought to be some capital that we've gained for each other, toward each other. And that's what it's teaching here. Under the inspiration of the word, this wasn't just, this wasn't just, you know, Paul thinking this was the best way. God purposed to put it in his word. And so we'd, we, we should appeal that way. We should appeal. Through, through personal means. And if we have it extended to us, we have the duty to extend it to others even if we don't want to. Really for the sake of those who have extended it to us. And really that was the basis of Paul's appeal. He was basing it on his brotherhood with Philemon and his brotherhood with the servant, Onesimus. And, and in 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 his actions there, God's revealing to us how we ought to at times handle complicated matters. We put ourselves on the line. And we, we put ourselves as an intercessor between two brothers in the Lord, between two family members. And here's the goal. The goal is restoration. That's, that's healthy. You know, uh, this behind the scenes, that's not healthy. No, no, deal with it. 
And you know, if you're the one, you're, you're, uh, you're, you, if you're a brother in Christ, you ought to be concerned. And here's what I'm saying. You, you ought to do all you can to restore the one to the other. You know why? Because we're one family in Christ. We have a brotherhood. We have a brotherhood that's, that the, the Bible says, behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It ought not to be just something we brush aside and we ignore. We ought to do all we can. And, and the, the great thing about, about this is the basis of our ability to forgive is based on the grace that God has given us. And Philemon was able to forgive. You know why? Not only because of what, what Paul did for him, but ultimately because of what Christ did in his life. It was grace extended. And I wonder if this, if, uh, if we would allow this to resonate in our own heart. I hope that we're concerned when, when brethren are fighting. I hope we just don't leave it and we snicker about it. And just pass on the gossip and take sides. It's not about that. It's about the family of God. It's about us dwelling together in unity. It's about the, the principle of restoration and making wrong things right. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, dear God, for the, Lord, just this great book. Lord, as I read through it this, this week in preparation, it was so convicting. Lord, just your, your servant, Paul, and, and his attitude to just making things right, to restoring broken relationships. And Lord, we understand that we are recipients of great forgiveness from you. And Lord, that flows out into just a belonging in your family that we ought to take a greater measure of honor and respect and loyalty to. So I pray that you'd help us, Lord God, as individuals, Lord, to search our own hearts. Lord, I, I pray that we would, you would help us to just understand. Lord, you, just your expectation as you've, you've shown us in your word. I pray, Father, then that we would act accordingly. Lord, by your grace and by your help. And we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. All right. Thank you, church, tonight. And. Uh